Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. I have, um, I'm not going to get into it just yet. I actually want you to watch a video. Would you do that? Looks like the early lead goes to Mike Gallant. Yes, Mike Gallant going for the lead with Price and Prince on the outside. Secretary to weigh very well, has good position on the rail, and in fact is now going up with the leader. They're moving for the first turn. It is Secretariat. Sham on the outside is also moving along strongly. And now it's Sham. Sham and Secretariat are right together into the first turn. Mike Gallant has third behind them. Then it's twice a Prince, and the trailer is Private Smiles as they go by the turn. Those two together, Sham on the outside. Sham getting ahead in front as they move around the turn with Secretary at second. Then there's a large gap. Make it eight lengths back to Mike Gallant in third and Vice of Prince fourth. And Private Smiles is still a trailer. They're on the back stretch. It's almost a match race now. Secretariat's on the inside, by ahead. Sham is on the outside. They've opened 10 lengths on Mike Gallant, who is third by ahead, with Vice of Prince fourth. Then it's another eight lengths back to Private Smiles, who is trailing the field. They continue down the backstretch, and that's Secretariat now taking the lead. He's got it by about a length and a half. Still Sham, 10 lengths back, Mike Gallant, Vice of Prince. They're moving on the turn now. For the turn at Secretariat, it looks like he's opening. The lead is increasing. Make it three, three and a half. He's moving into the turn. Secretariat holding on to a large lead. Sham is second, and then it's a long way back to Mike Allen and twice a print. They're on the turn. It's Secretariat is blazing along the first three quarters of a mile in 109 and four fifths. Secretariat is widening now. He is moving like a tremendous machine. Secretariat by 12. Secretariat by 14 lengths on the turn. Sham is dropping back. It looks like they'll catch him today as Mike Allen and Vice of Prince are both coming up to him now. But Secretariat is all alone. He's out there almost a sixteenth of a mile away from the rest of the horses. Secretariat is in a position that is impossible to catch. He's into the stretch. Secretariat leads his field by 18 lengths. And now Price of Prince has taken second, and Mike Gallant has moved back to third. They're in the stretch. Secretariat has opened a 22-length lead. He is going to be the Triple Crown winner. Here comes Secretariat to the wire. An unbelievable, an amazing performance. He hits the finish 25 lengths in front. It's going to be Price of Prince second, Mike Gallant third, Private Smiles fourth, and Sam, who had it today, dropped back to fifth. Performance by this miracle horse, and look at Mrs. Sweetie. She's having the time of her life. She and Lucian Lawrence, who own this most magnificent animal, who is today. I'm not an advocate for horse racing, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good video, though. Hey, you know, God. <laughs> About a week and a half ago, I had a real hesitation to move forward. And you know, I just got to this place where I felt like I was stuck in the mud. And when you're in that place, my first point of call, go into my office and shut the door. I need Jesus. And you see, when I sat down, God showed me this video. And this is the third time that he has brought this video to my, to my life. 
And today I don't want to just preach to you again. I want to do something that will shift your heart when you feel stuck. When you get into a place where you can't move forward, I want to show you how to move forward today. Because God was so kind to me because I sat there and I said, God, I don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to take another step. And you know what? I don't know if I even want to. And when you're in that place, you've got to be reminded of truth. And he reminded me truth with this video. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When Secretary ran that race, there were 69,000 people in the crowd. And the Lord said to me, he said, there's more than 69,000 people cheering you on. There is every person in this word that you read about that's gone before us. And they're in the cloud of witnesses. And they're cheering you and they're saying, Claire, would you get up again? Would you go again? And they're not just saying, Claire, they're saying your names today. Would you get up and would you go again? You see... God was so kind to remember to remind me what it looked like to chase after him. What does it look like to live a life of destiny and purpose, to live with mission and a heart that loves God so passionately? Don't let us ever lose that church. This horse's name was Secretariat. He won the Triple Crown Belmont Stakes in 1973 as a three-year-old. Can you see yourself as Secretariat today? Just, just keep that thought in mind. See, most of his races, he started last and then he would come up to the front. But this day, that day, Secretary woke up with a mission in his heart. It was like he knew, this is the day I've been born for. This is the day that something great's gonna happen. And his strapper said that morning they could barely get him, get him settled up ready. He was so, un, he was excited, he was rearing, he just couldn't settle. And they said that when they finally got him out with the saddle on with the other horses, Secretariat went up to the other horses and started to stomp his feet. He started to intimidate the other horses in the race. I love that. And they said, I don't know if you noticed, but on that race, there was a moment there for quite a while, Secretariat began to run alone. But they said he never, ever went slower. He ran harder and faster. <laughs> he ended up breaking the record. The commentator there said 25 lengths. It actually was 31 lengths. He broke the record. The Triple Crown had not been won for 25 years. But Secretariat did not just win it. He broke the record. And there's been many famous horses in history. You can look it up. I spent some time this week. But Secretariat was known as God's horse. That's how he was known. And at 19 years of age, Secretariat died and they did an autopsy on his body, and you know what they found. And I'm just gonna say thank you, Karen. Karen sent me this video last year, that was the second time. And this is what they found when they did the autopsy on his body. Secretary had a heart that was three times larger than any normal horse's heart. God had given him an enlarged heart to run. Psalm 119 verse 32 says, I will run after your commandments, O Lord, for you will enlarge my heart. I want an enlarged heart, don't you? Don't you want that? A heart that says, even if I'm running alone, I'm going to run faster and harder. I'm not going to stop. And God has called you and I, all of us, to have a heart like that, to be so filled with God's love that nothing can stop us. You see, when you have a heart like that, you don't get concerned with the things of the world. You have your eyes fixed on the one who loves you. 
and the one that changed your life. Don't forget who changed your life. You see, when I watched that video, God was realigning me. He's realigning me back to that race of faith that I need to remember. See, in our early days, Dave and I, um, we've always been in ministry. And when we were younger, um, we started a youth group and um, we used to take all our youth to Youth Alive. I think, I think you still do, don't you? Um, and we were fired up to serve God. We loved every meeting. And my dad was pioneering the church and we started the youth in the church. And we were just, we just and we still do love youth for that reason. It's, it's our heritage. But David was working a full-time job. But every moment we had, we were doing and serving God. Whatever we could do, it was a privilege. It was an honor. We loved it. And I remember one weekend, we'd just come back. The Saturday night had been a Youth Live conference and we were pumped up. We were passionate, on fire. And you could not contain me in the service. And a lady came up to me afterwards and she said, Claire, I used to be like you. You know what? It's going to settle down. You will lose that after a while. And I remember, and I was only early 30s, wasn't I? Maybe no less than that, in my late 20s. And I'm up thinking, God, I hope I never lose that. I hope I never lose that excitement to come into the house of God and be passionate about serving him. And you know... (laughs) Yesterday morning, I was writing this, this message and I started to weep because I realized that a week and a half ago when I sat in my chair, I had lost some of my passion because you don't sit down if you're full of passion, do you? And in that moment, I had lost that hesitation. I had that hesitation. I didn't know if I wanted to keep moving because it was hard. And I just said, God, forgive me that I lost sight of what was important. You see, the secretary reminds me, It is a beautiful thing to run hard and fast after God. Don't let life take you out. Don't let negativity, don't let pain or offense or sickness or grief or death or whatever comes, don't let it take you out of your your race. If you have a dream to serve God, serve Him with all of your heart. Give Him everything. Don't stop. Be passionate no matter how old you are. You know, I loved it a couple of weeks ago. Nick called all of us into the mosh pit. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You can get in the mosh pit and dance. He's worthy of our dance church. And if you've ever got a little bit weary like I did a week and a half ago, you're in good company. See, one of my favorite people in the Bible is King David. And he prayed in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I've prayed that. And in the Passion, it says, let the passion for my life be restored. He cried out like a deer pants for water. So my soul longs for you. And he says, you know, he says, one thing, one thing I desire. I've asked the Lord that I would seek, that I may dwell in the house of my God, in his presence all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and meditate in his temple. What a powerful prayer. Restore to me my first love. Restore to me my salvation. Matthew 6 reminds us, seek first the kingdom of God and all and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. See, there's blessing attached to the chase. Don't you like that? Sometimes we just need our hearts soft again. My heart got a little bit hard. And what I've noticed is a couple of weeks ago, Dave and I climbed a mountain. It was a big mountain. And one that we probably shouldn't have climbed because it was raining and we're told not to climb in the rain. <laughs> Anyhow, we climbed this mountain and it was pretty hard. David had to bring a rope to, and I'm not ashamed of this, in any formal manner, he had to get a rope around me at one point and pull me up. <laughs> I kind of got stuck. But what happened was, I noticed that um, afterwards, a few days afterwards, I looked at my hands and I actually had some calluses on my hands. And what I realized was the body's defense 
uh, its natural response when it comes against something hard is to protect the skin. And that's how calluses develop on normal soft hands. And he reminded me that it's the same with our heart. When a whole lot of hard stuff happens, our hearts start to get hard. We start to build calluses on our hearts. And, and so when David prayed, restore to me the joy of my salvation, he was really saying, would you take the calluses off my heart? And I had to pray the same thing. God, would you restore to me that love for you again? Creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And I love that. Before David became a king, you know what he was? He was a shepherd boy worshipping in the field with his sheep. Before Moses became a deliverer of Israel, you know what he was? He met God in the wilderness, also looking after sheep. And before Joshua led the people into the promised land, he lingered outside the tent of meeting where the presence was. Jacob was so desperate for God, he actually wrestled all night until God blessed him. And I just think today you and I need to come back to the place where it's just you and God. Seek his face, not his hands. Seek to know who is he. Who is God? Who is he to you? Who is he personally to you? This week he was so personal to me. You see, King David became a God chaser before he became a king. He gave God his heart and God gave him a throne. How awesome. You see, with relationship comes access. And with intimacy comes influence. With relationship comes access, and with intimacy comes influence. Tommy Tenney says, God chases on people who passion for, for, who passion for being in his presence, press them to chase the impossible in hopes that the uncatchable might catch them. Was Secretariat chasing the impossible? It was like his own race, wasn't it? He totally forgot about the other, other horses. He was in to win it, and not just win it small, win it big. He kept his eyes upon the goal. Our goal is Jesus. And none of the heroes of faith went looking for fame, none of them. But something was activated as they began to chase after God. Do you want to do something great for God? Become a God chaser. Psalm 34 says, those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. Jeremiah 29, 13, this is a good one. If you will seek him, seek me and find me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. If God is far away from you today, it's time you get up and start seeking him. Stir that up. You see, Margot, my little granddaughter who lives with us at the moment, she and I love to play hide and seek. And we run around the house and we do crazy things. And I know every other grandparent does the same thing that you're just like, come on, we're going to play hide and seek. But you know what? I never hide so she can't find me. It's the same with God. He hides so we can find him. Okay, part of the chase is that we've got to go looking. Don't just sit. Start looking. Start looking. Where is he? Psalm 119.32 says, I will run after your commands, O Lord, for you will give me an enlarged heart. When God reminded me, Secretary, he reminded me that when we get tired or weary, we just need to come back and remember who he is. Remember what you were born for. Remember the call. Remember the mission. It's all about him. He says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and you will recover life. If you will come to him, he says, lean into me, rest, and I will show you the unforced rhythm of grace. No matter what you're going through today, you can lean into him, and he will give you the grace you need for this moment. He wants us to run after him, chase after him. That scripture, I will run after your commandments. I love that Secretary was known as God's horse, but my prayer is, God, I want to be known as your horse. Okay, I know I'm not a horse, but I have that same concept, okay? I want to be your instrument to show the world that impossible is possible. Do you think that's possible? I think he wants to use you and I to show his glory to the world, don't you? You'd be his instrument. You'd be made in the image of God. 
He's placed within you and in me a seed of eternity. And within the seed of eternity that we carry, every one of us, there is destiny and purpose. You are born with a purpose for a purpose. I hope you know that. Okay, the seed is activated though, and listen to this. Do you know where the seed of greatness is activated? It's found in his love, in the encounters that you have with him. As I said, with relationship comes access. With intimacy comes influence. So what are his commands? Okay, in the Old Testament, God gave the people 10 commandments. They were written, some say they were actually written, I might get this wrong, but I've heard it said that they were written in marriage language, like a marriage contract. So he would say, if you would, there was a promise attached to the commandment. Promises of blessing, protection, and love, but they were conditional. We needed to do what the commandment said. And I remember teaching our um, kids' church the, the Ten Commandments. Do you know the Ten Commandments? You know the Ten Commandments? Okay, commandment number one. You shall have no other God. You may worship only him. Number two, don't bow down to idols. Nothing in heaven, earth, or sea. Hang on a moment. Have we broken those two? I think we have. Think about it. Idol is anything or person that you place above God and you give it first place. Idols, and I'm going to tell you this, this really spoke to me, okay? Idols are, steam, are time stealers that will go after our secret place with the Lord. Have we broken one and two? I have. Number three, don't misuse God's name. Hope. Oh. We may have. Remember the Sabbath. We've all done that. We've all broken that one. And number five says, honor your father or mother. Number six says, you shall not murder. And I'm telling you, it's not just about a real murder. Murder is in your mind, in your heart. We've all broken that one. Seven, eight, and nine, we used to go, for spiritual fitness, okay? Don't commit adultery, steal or bear false witness. And least, last but not least, number 10, don't covet. Let's learn, live, and love it. That was our song. <laughs> it's just about impossible to keep the Ten Commandments, isn't it? But Jesus comes along. What does Jesus do? He fulfills every part of the law. He knew we would fail. Thank goodness he came. He came to set us free from striving, from performance. I love that, that song we sing. You know, um, what was it? Another one. No, how does, where is it? The worship is... How lost another one, I am free. Like, how good is that? Okay. You know, Jesus came to fulfill that marriage contract. Okay. He brought a new covenant. And that new covenant, Jesus would fulfill both parts of the contract. Where all we would have to do, all you and I have to do, is say, yes, I receive it. Powerful place. But you know what? In the Bible, if you, if you read the Bible, and, and I have been watching The Chosen, and if you haven't watched it, watch it. It's powerful. This word will come alive. Have you noticed in the Bible that the religious scholars always tried to trick Jesus up on the commandments? They kept coming back to the law, didn't they? And Matthew 22, 37, they come to Jesus and they ask him a question about what is the greatest commandment. And he says, this is what they say. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you. That's the first one. And the second one, we should all know it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, on these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. You know that kid's song, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Do you remember that? This is why kids' church is so important. This is how I remember scripture. You don't know that, Nick. You've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. But church, do we do this? Do we do this? 
Do we love him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul? You see, Secretariat, it's my second point, he actually broke the record. A new record was written. You know what? Jesus broke the record. He broke the record of sin, dysfunction, death, darkness. He broke the record. This is good news. This is why we need to know him and make him known. So people hear the good news, what we know. Another one. Another one. Sing it. Sing it. How last another one. I am free. That's our message. That's the message he came to do. Genesis to Revelations. This is a love story of Jesus coming to save us. He's coming to fix the brokenness of the sin and the things that go wrong in our life. Then we find ourselves in that place. Our answer is Jesus. We need you. And when I sat there feeling like I had no breath and disheartened, disheartened, and I saw Secretary ran, run. Oh, it fueled my soul, I tell you what. I felt such passion come inside of me. And I knew that the fuel, the fuel is our love for God. And God reminded me, he took me because he warned me at the same time. He showed me, then he warned me. And he took me to Revelations 2, 2 to 4. And it's God is speaking to the church in Ephesus. Do you know Ephesus was very similar to the Gold Coast? It was actually known as a gateway to Asia. It was a very beautiful city. It was prosperous. David spoke about last week. It had the, the temple to Diana, um, and that was the temple of love, but it was prostitution and perversion. And the city on the outside looked like it was thriving, and we could look like we're thriving. We look amazing. But you know what? There was a church in that city, good church. And God gives John, who's in prison in Patmos, a message to the church. And this is what he says in Revelations 2. And it's one of the messages to the seven churches. And he says, I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think how far you have fallen. Repent. Ask forgiveness. And do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. The commentary that I read said the church in Ephesus was known for working hard and persevering. Well, we could say that, okay? They did not tolerate evil. No, we don't. They bravely endured trials and persecutions. They were even better than me. They did not become discouraged. Yet in doing all this without passionate love for Jesus Christ, you know what he said? Weakens our witness to the world. The spiritual vitality springing from the love of the Lord had degenerated into orthodox routine. Shame on us. Let it never become routine. You know, I wonder if this is where the church has found itself, coming out of COVID. I wonder if this has been a bit of a John letter. Church, you've lost your first love. In the Greek, the word first is proto, which means foremost, best, supreme, crowning, number one. Brian Simmons says it's the exclusive love that has first place in our hearts above everything else. So what does first do? First determines what you follow. First determines what you value most. First predicts what you will hold on to when everything else is falling apart and what you run to. First signifies what you're willing to die for and first reveals who you truly worship. I was challenged. Have we lost our first love? Spurgeon says of the Ephesus church, when a man works for Christ, he should work with all his might. Ephesus had patient, enduring faith. It was rock solid. They did not become weary. They continued their hard work. But despite all their hard work and perseverance, they had left, not, they had left, not lost their first love. Left and lost are two different things. Lost can be by accident. Left is a deliberate act, walked away from something. A church, this is what he said, and I just said, a woman of faith has no reason to be a woman of faith 
when she has no more love within her heart or when love grows cold. Spurgeon says, lose love, lose all. If there is a difference between lost and left, where did we leave our first love? Where did you leave your first love? See, I was at a crossroads when I sat down and felt stuck. I could stay there, I could walk away, or I could get inspired and ask God to restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because I think it's a slow decline, don't you? I don't think you just find yourself there. I think you get busy, you get distracted, you get hurt, life happens, and you find yourself even sometimes running alone, and sometimes it can be really lonely and hard. And there is this thing, well, no one else is running this hard. No one else is this passionate. Maybe I should slow down a little bit. No. No. Don't let labels, don't let anyone ever put a lid on your passion for Jesus. You see, we have to stoke the fire. In the Bible, it says those that were passionate here, and you'll read about them. It said that they were forgiven much, and because they were forgiven much, they loved much. Don't ever forget what you've been forgiven of and rescued from. Don't ever forget, because when you do, I tell you, it keeps your heart soft. Keeps your heart so, so soft. So, what do we have to do? Stoke the fire. I felt like Kate was stoking the fire this morning for us. She sang with all her heart. Hayden sang with all his heart. I loved it. Ruthie, you sang and danced. It was beautiful. Emily, it just encouraged us to run after you. Honestly, we got to stoke this fire. You see, we, have, we live in the, in the hinterland and it's cold. It's colder than when it is down here, I promise you. And um, we have a fire. And which was great. David and Caleb often put the fire on and it's awesome. But I usually find about 8 o'clock at night, everything starts to get cold again. And you'll usually find me going into where the fire is, opening the fire door and getting a stick and starting to stoke the fire. And what I noticed was when I opened the door, a little bit of wind causes fresh flame. A little bit of stoking. And before you know it, there's fresh flame just coming. And I love that, but that's the same with our walk with God, okay? We've got to stoke this fire. Sometimes we've got a little bit of wind come in. We had it this morning. There's no reason why any of us in this room today don't have a fresh flame. That worship brought that. It was beautiful. Paul reminds us, never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Serve the Lord. He says, when you hope, be joyful. And when you suffer, be patient. Don't give up. And when you pray, be faithful. The Message Bible says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. You know, in Levit Leviticus 6, um, the priests were told to keep the fire burning on the altar continually. And what I didn't realize, but God actually started that fire. They didn't. God did. When you gave your life to Jesus, God started the fire. But their job was to keep the fire burning. Same with us, okay? And I, I'm just going to give you a little practical thing. Show me your friends. Show me the people you're hanging around with, and I'll show you your future. Okay, this week Dave and I did an intensive um, for, we're doing our chaplaincy course and um, we were in a Zoom room for three days. It's a long time to be on Zoom, I can tell you. But this room was invigorating and I tell you why. It was filled with passionate lovers of Jesus who love people. And I don't know, it was tiring, we were exhausted, but every day I came out of there and I felt my heart stoked a bit more. I heard about the things that our world is struggling with. But then I saw people who said, pick me, pick me, pick me. I'll go, I'll go. And I was, me too, me too. It was exactly what I needed. I just needed to have a room full of friends who love Jesus so passionately that their fire stoked my fire. How good is that? Because I really believe that God is calling you and I to be the secretariats, okay? Don't lose sight of the vision or the mission. 
It's so important. And, and you know, when I was coming to, to just go over my word yesterday morning and I woke up because I always pray this prayer. I said, God, have I missed anything? Is there something you want to say? And he, and he said me one word. He said, Kutuba. And on the ladies who come to Brave know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, oh, yes, Kutuba. You see, many years ago, we had a death. We had bad stuff happen. Lots of bad stuff happened. And in that point, I knew I had a choice. Okay? And many people in my world had the same choice I had. And some of them stepped back. And I remember, I remember God saying to me, I was in a church service. He said, Clay, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in doing good. And I remember I said, God, I might not be any use at the moment because I was pretty broken, but I'm choosing to step forward. Okay, I'm choosing to step forward and I've never stopped running. I've never stopped running then. And two weeks ago, honestly, I was tired. And then he filled me up again. All I need to do was see Secretariat. <laughs> and it's a horse and I love horses. But when he said Ketuba, what he was saying was sometimes when life happens, we get so discouraged or so wounded or so disheartened with what we're in and the circumstance we're in that we actually stop running. And the, we also actually stop trusting that God is going to be with us. And Ketuba was an amazing thing. It was actually the love contract. And I'll, I'll get the worshippers back up to at this time. And what Ketubah was, was in the Jewish marriage ceremony, Ketubah was the love contract. Okay, the love contract that was a, it actually was a legal document. And what the groom would do is he would write up, they would write up this document. It would be signed by two, two signatures. Okay, not his, two others. And they would, in this document, this legal document, they would write up everything that the groom would do for his bride. And it spoke promise, it spoke future, it spoke belonging, and it spoke love. And, the, and the, grime, the groom promised to provide clothing, food, protection, intimacy, and to care for the bride even in the event of death. And in the ancient Eastern culture, women did not have ways of getting money. So can you imagine the security that the ketubah came to this woman? That this man, this groom loved her, and even if something bad happened, she was going to be okay. She was going to be all right. No matter what, she was loved and she was cared for. And you see, church, the Bible is our ketubah. It's a promise of what Jesus did for us. Jesus fulfilled every part of the commandments. He filled everything that we needed to do. He did both sides. All you have to do is agree with it. But if he's calling you to run and you're afraid, okay, it's time to choose faith over fear. It's time to say, no matter what happened in the past, I'm going to trust you, God, in the future, that you're going to be with me. And that ketubah was like a banner of love over the bride. And you have a banner of love over you today. You see, that love contract was sealed at the cross. That's where His love sealed over you and a contract was made that you are His beloved, that you are the theme of His song. You are overshadowed by His love. No matter what He calls you to, He is going to meet you there. Said Secretary was born to do the impossible. It was in His DNA. He'd been prepared all his life for that day. You have been prepared all your life for this day. Your DNA carries the same DNA that horse did, God's horse, to go and do the impossible for God and with God. Okay, the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you and lives in me. Okay, that's what we run with. And even if you have to run, don't run alone. Okay, because He's right there with you. God is right with you. And there's one thing I didn't mention. I don't know if you noticed it. But in that race, there was a horse running next to Secretary. Do you remember what his name was? Sham. All your life, you might be running up against Sham Christianity. Okay. 
Sham had the look. He actually was the crowd's favourite that day. But Secretariat had the heart. Okay, let's not be worried about what we look like or our performance. The world needs authentic faith. That's your faith and mine that's real. Okay, not just what, they don't want to know what you know. They want to experience what you carry and you should carry the Father's heart. That's what they want. And I just believe that today we're not to be satisfied with normal. Don't look back what happened there. Start looking forward. What, God, what is God calling you into? Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. God's got something good for you today. Okay. He wants to use you to be great in His kingdom. He wants you, if you're stuck, to get up and run again. He wants you to stoke that fire. Go back to doing what you did when you first got saved and you were so grateful for all He did. Would you be a passionate pursuer of God today? I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to, I, I, you know, whatever you choose to do today is between you and God. But I just pray that as we stand, that you're actually standing before the Lord God and saying, God, I want to get back into those, that lane that you're calling me to. In this new season, whatever is happening, whatever God's calling to, that you will actually run your race like Secretariat. Don't lose sight of the mission. Don't forget what you've been saved from. Ask God to keep your heart soft. Can I pray for you? Is that okay? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we sang that song, There's an Army Rising. There's an army rising in this place. And it's not that we look good, we sound good, or we can perform. There's an army rising that wants to carry the Father's heart. And so, Father, I pray for every man, woman, every person in this room, Father, everyone that loves you, and even those that don't know you yet. Father, I pray that you'd stoke the fire of your love, a first love for you, Jesus, that we would remember how good you are, how great you are, how faithful to you you are. And Father, I pray that you'd remove every glass ceiling of every person in this place and every limitation, every place that stopped them from being passionate. I ask, Father, that you would heal their hearts, restore to them the joy of their salvation. And Lord, I pray for a fresh wind of your Spirit all over them, that they would run and they'd run hard and they'd run fast, and they'd carry the message, Lord, you broke the record. You broke it over our lives and you'll break it over others. We have good news. So Father, bless your people. May your face shine upon them. Lord, may they be everything they've called to be and may they experience your incredible love today, I pray in Jesus' name.